0: Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Fluently Forward. Today, we are going to be, sometimes we're the floozies, right, when we get into the gossip. Sometimes we're the forward thinkers when we talk about big life concepts. We're going to be a little bit of both today because we're going to be talking about famous scientists, uh, particularly Stephen Hawking, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and Bill Nye the science guy, (laughs) Bill, Bill. Anyway, um, for all my fellow millennials who remember watching that TV show when they grew up, but I wanted to dive into this because when we did our Epstein recap um, a couple weeks ago with Jenny from the Red Room and we were diving into some of the names on this list, what new information has come out, we found out again some more stuff about Stephen Hawking and Jeffrey Epstein. Now, it wasn't anything insane. There has been, I mean, Stephen Hawking being on Epstein Island, it's just kind of ripe for meme opportunity. And we've seen a lot of misinformation. No, like, if you saw anything, what was it? There was some story about how, like, he made people write on a blackboard and he would, like, watch their ass, things like that. That's not true. What we found out recently about Stephen Hawking on Jeffrey Epstein's island, allegedly, is that Virginia Giuffre, who is one of the victims, who has kind of been offering up the most testimony. I think she was with Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell for about four years. She is the victim in that photo with Prince Andrew. And Jeffrey Epstein had said in an email to someone we have to find a way to discredit Virginia. She's hawking the story about Bill Clinton being at a dinner and Stephen Hawking being in an underage orgy at the Virgin Islands, something like that. We'll, We'll get to the specifics later on. And we knew all the way back in 2015, that was when a photo was released of Stephen Hawking on Jeffrey Epstein Island. So this isn't one of the things of like, oh, it's just a rumor that I heard from someone. We've got some photo evidence to back this up. But basically, it got me thinking, Stephen Hawking could be a pervert. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I've heard that he's like kind of a raging asshole. And then I felt like I had kind of heard something about Bill Nye the science guy. So I posed the question to you guys over on Instagram, would you be interested in like a rundown of all of these famous scientists and what's really going on behind the beaker? <laughs> and you guys said yes. Yeah. So without further ado, let's get into it. And we are going to kick things off with Stephen Hawking. So Stephen Hawking, he died in 2018. He was born 1942. He was an English theoretical physicist. He was all about the universe, what created it, what the theory of everything, right? I think that's the movie that was based off of his life. He was into the cosmos. He was an author. He was a professor. I mean, Stephen Hawking is like basically one of the biggest important academic scientists out there. He was born in Oxford, and his entire family is made up of physicians. And it was interesting. They seemed very um, very eccentric and unusual, right? So his entire family, full of physicians, right? They were all considered very intelligent, and apparently dinners at the Hawking household would be spent with each person silently reading a book as they ate dinner. And they lived in this very frugal way. They had this large, cluttered, poorly maintained house, and they would travel around in this converted London taxi cab. It's kind of giving me like, I don't know, Weasley vibes, if the Weasleys were all (laughs) really, really smart. Anyway, he, similar to all of these other folks that we're going to be talking about, he got into the world of science very, very young. So at the age of 17, he started his university education at Oxford. He got a first-class BA degree in physics, then he went over to Trinity Hall, Cambridge. He got his PhD in applied mathematics and theoretical physics, and he specialized in general relativity and cosmology, which means that he focused on hair and makeup. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He definitely didn't. Have you seen the guy? <laughs> he was science only. Then this is probably, you know, what everyone mostly knows about Stephen Hawking is that at age 21, he was diagnosed with this early onset, slow progressing form of motor neurone disease that over decades would end up paralyzing him. And he lost his speech and he ended up communicating through the speech generating device. Initially, when he first had it, you would kind of use it with a handheld switch. And then he ended up being able to use it through just a single cheek muscle. So he had ALS and it left him almost entirely paralyzed. So there was this this infrared sensor that was mounted on his eyeglasses and it would pick up twitches from a muscle in his cheek and then transmit that to a screen with scrolling letters stopping at each individual letter. So he would average about a word a minute, which I just found very interesting. Like I always knew he was in the wheelchair. I knew that he, you know, was struggling with ALS, but I... Didn't really know kind of like the intricacies of how this worked. Anyway, a little bit about his college life. Like we said, he started at age 17 at the University College, Oxford. And he said that for the first 18 months there, he was very bored and lonely. He's on record saying that he found the academic work, quote, ridiculously easy. His physics tutor was on record saying it was only necessary for him to know that something could be done and he could do it without looking to see how other people did it. There's all these different quotes from people that worked with him, people that taught him, basically saying, and I'm going to talk about why this triggers me later, but basically saying that he was ridiculously intelligent and everybody knew it now apparently during his second and third years he made this very purposeful effort to be one of the boys and he ended up becoming very like popular lively witty he ended up getting into um the college boat club and he was the what do they call it the coxman he was the coxman for the rowing crew and he was a little bit of a coxman bad boy. <laughs> he would have this like daredevil image. He would take his crew on these risky courses that would end up damaging the boats. Um, but it's interesting because I guess I just assumed scientist. He must have always been nerdy. But there were a couple years where he was kind of like the top dog. Now, that being said, he was also like a little bit of a dick, right? So apparently... He studied about a thousand hours during his three years at Oxford and when he would be sitting in his finals, he would decide to only answer theoretical physics questions and he would just ignore all of the questions that required factual knowledge. I'm, I'm like about to bring out like the Long Island, like you think you're better than me? Like I just, I don't know. I remember hearing the same stuff about Einstein, how like he wouldn't do his homework because it was too easy. And I think Stephen Hawking was aware of this. Like He was very concerned that he was viewed as a lazy and difficult student. And at one point, when one of like the higher-ups at the college was asking him to describe his plans for the future, he said, if you award me a first, I will go to Cambridge. If I receive a second, I shall stay in Oxford. So I expect you will give me a first. And then that same teacher that he worked with is on record saying that the examiners were, quote, intelligent enough to realize that they were talking to someone far cleverer than most of themselves. And I don't know why this triggers me so much because like some people are smart and some people are geniuses for sure. I definitely abide to the rule of like, you need to respect your elders, you just do. And I hope people keep doing that. You know how like Renee Rapp recently was like, I'm ageist, like I really just like don't like people who are old. And I remember this was on um, you know, Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen and I forget who the guest was on next to her but she was like, you do know that you're gonna get old one day, right? And there's just something about like a smart ass character. Ooh, you know what I hate when you're watching a movie? Just like a rom com or a comedy or something like that. Like 50 Days of Summer, or sorry, 500 Days of Summer, there's like that little girl. It's always like somebody's struggling in life. And then there's a little smart ass kid who's got to like tell them what to do. And they're so much smarter than you. Or that movie that everybody likes with Britney Murphy. Yeah, Uptown Girls with Brittany Murphy and Dakota Fanning. I remember watching that with my roommate years back in New York, and I was like, fuck this little girl. Like, (laughs) I think I might be the only person who got that because everybody, like, on TikTok, they're like, oh, I love this movie. Like, it it talks so much about girlhood. And I was like, I could not even enjoy the movie because, like, fuck that little girl who was like, I know everything. Anyway, I don't know why I get so triggered about smart people. I just feel, I don't know, whenever it's like, Academic language, I feel like, is so not inclusive. I feel like it's so rude. I feel like it's so pretentious. I feel like these, you know, like the New York Times or these institutions, I just feel like they take a normal sentence, right? Um, I am picking up my phone and holding it in my hand. It's heavy, right? That's what I'm doing right now. I feel like they douche it up just to be academic and pretentious. So they would be like... I acquired my cellular device and lifted it into the oxygen-ridden air, and it felt uh, deeply heavy and incredibly weighted in the palm of my manus, my homo sapien manus, and I'm always just like, shut the fuck, like, can't we all just get along? Just make it easy for everyone. So I don't know. I, I have like my own situation with it. Let me know if anybody else feels this way. Or, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, you know, sometimes you're on TikTok and you're, you're just looking to lose your mind a little bit and you watch this video and you're like, ha ha ha, ooh, like the guy fell in the ice. And then before you realize it, it's a stitch and there's some girl roughly about 17 with like a book in front of her and she's reading a passage from the book about how like the man falling in ice is actually like reminiscent of like society at large and how blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, I can't. I don't know. And I don't know why I feel this way. Being intelligent is good. It's very, very good. And I'm proud and happy for anyone who's intelligent. I just can't relate to you. (laughs) Anyway, let's keep going on with Stephen Hawking. He starts with his doctoral studies, and this is where he gets into all of the theories about the creation of the universe, the Big Bang, the steady state, all of these different like theories, uh, you know, did, did everything come to be in the center of a black hole, and he starts thinking about the entire universe. And in 1965, he writes his thesis on this topic, and his thesis was called Hawking's Thesis. I think everybody should have a thesis. I'll tell you what the fluently forward thesis is. Everyone in Hollywood is bisexual and doing a little bit of drugs. Everyone is pansexual and doing cocaine, at least until you tell me otherwise. And that's the theory that I try to live by. Anyway, let's talk some personal life juicy details. Stephen Hawking cheated on his wife and he went to strip clubs and he went to Epstein Island, and we're going to get all into it right now. I remember, once again, I rot all day on TikTok. Shira Seven, you've probably seen her, Sprinkle Sprinkle. Like, if you know, you know who she is. I remember she would say all the time, she'd be like, well, and Stephen Hawking cheated on his wife. So that's that's that for you to know. So it made me curious, and I wanted to look it up a little bit. So let's get into it. Today's episode is brought to you by Dipsy. I know that a lot of people who listen to this podcast like a little bit of erotic, romantic fun because we talk about it all the time on Instagram, and that's why I'm so excited to be working with Dipsy Stories. So we use our phones for everything at this point, but you can also use them for some sexy me time with Dipsy. So you can explore all of your different fantasies. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories, and they are designed by women Four women. And they have all of these like fun tropes that I love. So you can do different adventurous vacation flings. You can do second chance romances. I love a little enemies to lover. I love a little billionaire who's tortured. Um, but he has a soft side that only you can unlock. I'm into that. And they also have vampires, Greek gods, very smut. I mean, this is the type of stuff that the floozies are into. So for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to com slash fluently. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash fluently, com slash fluently. So Stephen Hawking was first married to a woman named Jane Wilde in the 1960s. The couples were both in their early 20s when they met And about, like, a year into dating, he started exhibiting the first signs of ALS, um, and their sex life started to go downhill. They were basically together for, like, decades until he ended up leaving his wife for one of the nurses who was taking care of him. And we got a little bit of a peek into what was going on because she released a memoir, Music to Move the Stars. And she talks about her like miserable marriage to the quote master of the universe Stephen Hawking, and how she was determined to stay married to him even as his disease and ego started to like completely take over who he was. So she said that for years he wanted nobody but her to wash, clothe, and feed him, which I feel like is just um, being a caregiver is so. And I feel like we we talk about some things, right? Like we I feel like now we talk about how hard it is to be a mother in a way that we wouldn't talk about in the past. I still don't see that many people talking about the toll on the human experience to be a caregiver for someone, especially if it is someone who's in your family. I remember when Andrew Yang was running for president years ago and he was talking about UBI, universal basic income. He was saying how helpful something like that would be for people who are caregivers. It, it just led me down a little rabbit hole of that. Anyway, but it sounds like Stephen Hawking was like, no, 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 you have to be the only one who does this for me, which, you know, to see it in a gracious sense, maybe she was the only person that he trusted. But also, you have to realize how much of a toll that is. you know what I mean? She also says in her memoir that he was really reluctant to use a wheelchair, so she would be balancing him on one arm and then a toddler on the other, and her role ended up becoming, quote, more maternal rather than marital. She then branded him as a, quote, all-pattern, a powerful emperor and a masterly puppeteer. And then she drops this savage quote later on in the memoir, saying, quote, it was becoming very difficult, unnatural even, to feel desire for someone with the body of a Holocaust victim and the undeniable needs of an infant. Oh, Azealia Banks is somewhere going like, oh, that's good. I'm going to write that down. I got to copy that. There's also hilarious details that, like, during this period of his life, Stephen Hawking would enjoy running over the toes of people that he didn't like with his wheelchair. So apparently in 1976, he was invited to attend Prince Charles' induction into the Royal Society, and uh, the prince was, like, really intrigued by Stephen Hawking's wheelchair, and Stephen Hawking would, like, twirl it around and ran it over Prince Charles' toes. And then apparently he said once that one of his regrets in life was not having an opportunity to run over Margaret Thatcher's toes. So anyway, Jane was his wife, and she was basically his sole caretaker for like three decades. And then he ends up getting this nurse, Elaine Mason. She was a fiery redhead who, quote, liked to skateboard and definitely knew how to flirt. Now, to be fair, Jane, the original wife, was kind of having her own affair at this time with a man named Jonathan Jones. He was the choir master at her local church. And Stephen Hawking started to kind of cozy up with this redhead nurse, Elaine Mason. So she went, Jane went over to Stephen and she was like, I'm having an affair. And apparently Stephen Hawking was like, look, I'll give you my blessing. I'm having an affair too, but we're going to bring them both into our family and it's going to be like a new type of arrangement, a kind of extended family. So that was what they did for a little bit. But then, obviously, Stephen Hawking and Elaine broke out of the arrangement, and they got married in 1995. Now, this isn't where the drama ends. So about five years in the early 2000s, his family and staff were really, really worried that he was being physically abused by his new wife, Elaine. So Jane, the first wife, said to Vanity Fair that quote, in 25 years of living with me, he had not one unexplained bruise. But after he got married to Elaine, he started having all of these mysterious injuries. He had a fractured wrist, he had a broken arm, a split lip, a broken femur three slash marks on his face and then the media and his two children and the ex-wife Jane all blamed Elaine and a few of his nurses even came forward with these different testimonies of Elaine's like fits of rage apparently there was one incident where Stephen Hawking typed I cannot be left alone with her please don't go get someone to cover the shift one of his former's assistant actually said that Elaine drove her to quit her job. She just couldn't stand it. She said, quote, Elaine is a monster. And she said that the injuries only happened when Stephen and Elaine were alone. Now, nothing ever happened to Elaine. And that's because when, you know, people reached out to Stephen Hawking, like they needed his testimony he refused. And he was like, nope, she's my wife. I love her. I wouldn't be where I am without her, you know, blah, blah, blah. And all of these people who knew their relationship said that it was very stormy. They said, quote, one minute it was you're crazy. I hate you. I never want to see you again. And then next it was I love you more than anything and I could never live without you. So it was a very, very torrid relationship. Now, what has Elaine, the second wife, said about Stephen Hawking? After he died, she spoke to an author, and she said, quote, Stephen was like an actor. He needed to be the center of attention, the center of the universe. He loved it. It gave him energy. He loved people. He had a very tough life, but he was an incredibly brave man. He never, ever complained, ever but he needed to be the center of attention. And yes, I probably resented that. Not all the time, but when I was tired or when one of the carers was flirting with him or whatever it was, but it would be temporary. The resentment would pass deep down. He was my only love. So now we're starting to get testimonies from both of his wives that he was very into his ego. He was very into manipulating people and he would like get his flirt on with everybody. And he ended up falling for another nurse later on in uh, 2006. Her name was Diana King. And she was, guess how many years younger she was than Stephen Hawking? 39 years younger. Ay, 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 caramba. Anyway, and she suffered from manic depression. And apparently, this was like a trend with Stephen Hawking. He went after women who had experiences with depression Something else about Stephen Hawking is he was very against philosophy, and I find that interesting because when I was doing my research about Neil deGrasse Tyson, he also is like really anti-philosophy, which is just so funny because I would think it would, I don't know, maybe if you're a scientist, you're against conspiracy theorists like me (laughs) but to be like they both have said many different times like in public philosophy is dead like it's stupid you shouldn't be taking it seriously like they're very very anti-philosophy which I don't get um but I will say shout out to Neil deGrasse Tyson for this he does reference a lot of times in speeches the social sciences and he holds them in really really high esteem Neil deGrasse Tyson will also do a lot of different debates with, like, conservatives about gender issues and trans issues, and he'll reference how important the social sciences are with that, which I think is nice to get a shout-out, right? I mean, I majored in sociology. That's a social science. Um, And so much of gender, I would say, just shy of almost all of it, is all about socialization. Everything we do, too. I even think about, like, the concept of a mirror, I so much of my feelings and my life is centered around what I see in the mirror and we're not back in the day we didn't have a mirror you know there's just so many weird things that are different from us as humans now versus natural animals that you see in nature even down to like the male animals right the peacocks are the ones with the crazier feathers and the male lions are the ones with all of the mane and the hair but for men and women you don't see that. You see the opposite. So there's just so many different things in regard to how we act that's different than nature. And that's because it's social nature and it's part of the social sciences. So I like how Neil deGrasse Tyson brings that up in his debates, but it is weird that they're all so like anti-philosophy. Anyway, let's get into some of the Epstein stuff, okay? So the actual email... It was uncovered. It took place January 2015. It was an email that Jeffrey Epstein sent to Ghislaine Maxwell, and this is what it said. "Quote, You can issue a reward to any of Virginia's friends, acquaints, or family that come forward and help prove her allegations are false. The strongest is the Clinton dinner and the new version in the Virgin Islands that Stephen Hawking participated in an underage orgy. So this isn't direct you know, certifiable proof that Stephen Hawking did do an underage ori. But if you just look at the stringing of that sentence, her allegations are false. The strongest is the Clinton dinner and blah, 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 Stephen Hawking. I would just think that if the allegations were actually false, he would say, we need to prove her allegations are false. The most dangerous one is this or like the most high profile one is this not the strongest to me jeffrey epstein saying the strongest are these two incidences means it's the strongest because they happened i mean we do have a picture of him stephen hawking on epstein island so as part of a science trip in march 2006 which granted it was months before jeffrey epstein was convicted as a child sex offender but still, Stephen Hawking went down to the island. There's a picture of him having dinner on the island with a man and two women next to him. And then there's also a picture of him in a submarine in his chair. And next to him in the submarine is a blonde woman with spaghetti straps and like her bra strap sticking out. It's like this tight white shirt. So keep that in mind because it kind of correlates to a blind item that we're going to be talking about later. So the Independent did a report on this, and they said that Stephen Hawking, you know, he went down there. They were attending this conference, and it was funded by Jeffrey Epstein, and it was all about gravity on the island. And to that, I just have to say, it's not the fucking moon. Like, what are you doing? Gravity on the island? That's why you needed everyone to come? Okay, like, show me show me the reports then. Is the, is the island in some sort of, like, wormhole vortex? It's just an island. Like, to me, it's just reeking of bullshit. And we also have, like, very interesting allegations, too. Stephen Hawking was a big fan of strip clubs, okay? So his pal Peter Stringfellow, who runs the Stringfellow Strip Clothes, Strip Clubs told The Independent, He's a man who lives within his brain and still manages to feel the overwhelming power of sex. Isn't he the answer to people who attack the sexual side of our humanness? They're all charging at windmills, you know, it's there. So apparently he was a regular at this Stringfellows strip club in London. And there was one guy who recalls this like funny encounter that he had with Stephen Hawking one night. He said, I went and introduced myself. This was at the strip club and said, Mr. Hawking, it's an honor to meet you. If you could spare a minute or two, I'd love to chat with you about the universe. Then I paused for a bit and joked, or would you rather look at the girls? There was silence for a moment. And then he answered. The girls. (laughs) And then they also say that people spotted Stephen Hawking numerous times getting lap dances at the California strip club Devour. And he was even uh, said to have frequented Freedom Acres, which is a swingers club in California. So one member spoke to the Huffington Post and said, I have seen Stephen Hawking at the club more than a handful of times. He arrives with an entourage of nurses and assistants. Last time I saw him, he was in the back play area, lying on a bed, fully clothed, with two naked women gyrating all over him. And this is a blind item about him and Jeffrey Epstein. It says... One would assume that the family would go through everything and remove all traces of anything that could leave to more reveals about Stephen Hawking, the deceased A-plus list scientist, sexual fetishes before handing them over to the government. Let us not forget that he was a guest on the island of the pedophile. They were so close that the billionaire modified several transports just for the scientist. On one particular visit to the island, there was a very young blonde looking after the scientist. It is well known that he frequented sex clubs and he would lay on a bed and have naked women grinding on him. He loved being seen there. He visited them wherever he was. He had a favorite here in California, too. So what will we find in those papers? Now, look, you never know if a blind item is true or not, but having done the research first and then looking at the blind items, they got one, a few things right. One, Jeffrey Epstein did modify things on the island so Stephen Hawking could be there. He especially customized the submarine that he was in. Two, they say that there was a very young blonde looking after the scientist. The person next to him in the photo of the submarine, which we'll have photos up on Instagram this week, was a very young blonde. Number three, naked woman grinding on him in sex clubs. We have reports of members within strip club members who have reported seeing that in like the play area. So I just think, I don't know if it's true or not, but all three of those things check out to me. All right. So that wraps up things on Stephen Hawking. We are now going to move over to Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I'm a little bit nervous to talk about this because Neil deGrasse Tyson is so beloved by everyone. And I had remembered I don't know, just years ago, I feel like I had read things like there was some sort of scandal about him or maybe people were saying that he was kind of a dick. Well, we are going to get into everything today and the sexual allegations against him, of which four women so far have come out with allegations. We're going to dive all into it. I read all of this and I was like, to me, it's a cut clear case this guy is a creepo and then I want on over to Reddit because I just like to see sometimes how the general public thinks, which I need to stop going to Reddit to do that because Reddit is not the general public. I think they are just a um an angrier, bitchier, lonelier part of the general public. And look, I go on Reddit all the time. I think if you browse Reddit, you're good. But I'm looking at all of like the comments and the posts and people who I think are like posting and commenting like very often I don't think they represent, like, a good slice of the general public. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, so I went on Reddit afterwards to look up stuff about Neil deGrasse Tyson and be like, oh, my God, like, I need to hear what everybody is saying about these allegations. I feel like they're horrific. And every single person on Reddit was like, he did nothing wrong. Like, he's getting accused of what? It was just a little bit of flirting. Like, he didn't even do anything. I think differently we'll be getting into that but it also makes sense he's done a lot of amas on reddit and three of his amas are in like the top 10 most popular reddit amas so like i don't know their tongue is like deep in his hole so go ahead and give me a one star if you want but like i just got to talk about it because i think it's fucked up okay so let's get into neil deGrasse tyson Today's episode of Fluently for It is brought to you by Newly, and you know how much I love Newly. They are a subscription clothing rental service, and they're all about helping you have fun and get creative with your style. I love. Newly because you can rent anything that you need. So if you have like a themed party going on, if you want to try on maybe like a different type of jean than you're used to, maybe you have some sort of like sexy date coming up, fingers crossed, I hope that you do. You can do any of it by basically picking any six styles each month that you want to wear for just $98 a month. There are thousands of styles for more than 400 brands, which is a huge amount here, and they've got inclusive sizing. It's very easy too. They are fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning, so it's great because you really don't have to worry about anything. And you can buy things discounted up to 75% off. So, Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off of your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FLUENTLY20. Just go to N U U L Y.com, that's Newly with two U's, and enter the code FLUENTLY20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N U U L Y.com, Newly with two U's, with code FLUENTLY20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. He was born 1958. He is an American astrophysicist, an author, a science communicator, and honestly just kind of like a general famous scientist. Like if you had to say famous scientist, I think he might be my first one, or I might say Bill Nye, just because I grew up watching the show. But anyway, he studied at Harvard, then University of Texas at Austin, and then Columbia University. Then he was a postdoctoral research associate at Princeton University. I mean, these are some big, big wig places. He's a big, big wig type of guy. So he was born in Manhattan uh, into a Catholic family. He had two siblings his father was a sociologist so part of me thinks oh my god maybe that's why he's like a fan of the social sciences or he gives them some credit in a lot of these speeches that he does and his mother was someone who i might pronounce this wrong a geron (laughs) a gerontologist basically i looked up what it was on wikipedia because i looked at that and i went the study of germination are you an herbologist no 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 The study of aging so she studies like everything related to aging which i think is like very very cool and neil got into astronomy at the age of nine when he visited the sky theater of the hayden planetarium he said quote so strong was the imprint of the night sky that i'm certain that i had no choice in the matter that in fact the universe called me And during high school, he actually took astronomy courses that were offered by this planetarium, and he called it the most formative period of his life. So in his teen years, he studied astronomy, like, obsessively, and he actually got a little bit famous in the astronomy community. He was even giving lectures about astronomy at the age of 15, which is, like, crazy. The astronomer Carl Sagan, he was a faculty member at Cornell, and he tried to recruit um, Neil to go to Cornell for his undergrad. But bam, no, he went to Harvard and then all that other stuff that I said before. Cornell was like, imagine being like, sorry, fuck you, Cornell. (laughs) Anyway, he uh, took off. He does everything now. He does everything. He worked at that same planetarium for a bit. Then he had his TV show Cosmos. Then he had like another TV show. He's on Stephen Colbert's show all the time. I think he also did something with Chelsea Handler for a bit. Um, in 2001, George W. Bush appointed him to serve on the commission of the future of the United States aerospace industry. And then in 2004, he served on like another board. He has worked with NASA. He was awarded like the highest civilian honor by NASA. Just trust in me. I'm not going to get into all of it because you know me. I like the gossip. but He's a big wig. Some interesting stuff that I found when I was looking this up. They asked him if he's religion, if he if he is religion, if he's religious and what he believes in. And I thought his quote on this was very interesting. He said, every account of a higher power that I've seen described of all religions that I've seen include many statements with regard to the benevolence of that power. When I look at the universe and all of the ways the universe wants to kill us, I find it hard to reconcile that with statements of benevolence. So he also said this before on Chelsea Handler. Thing. He's like, every single religion describes their God as incredibly good and fantastic and, like, kind-hearted. But when you hear about a tsunami or an earthquake killing all of these hundreds of thousands of people, it's, like, really hard to believe in God. And yet, that just, like, really resonates with me, him saying that. And he said interesting that he edited his own Wikipedia page because people on Wikipedia kept going in and saying that he was an atheist. And he said, quote, I'm constantly claimed by atheists. I find this intriguing. On my Wikipedia page, I didn't create it. Others did. And I'm flattered that people cared enough about my life to assemble it. It said, Neil deGrasse Tyson is an atheist. And I said, well, that's not really true. Neil deGrasse Tyson is an agnostic. I went in and changed it. I went back a week later and it said, Neil deGrasse Tyson is an atheist again within a week and then he said all right I have to word it a little bit differently so then he changed it to Neil deGrasse Tyson widely claimed by atheists is actually an agnostic so I just find that interesting that um I think a lot of people assume that all scientists are going to be deeply atheist I believe Stephen Hawking was because I know that one of the things him and his first wife Jane would fight about was religion because she was a very devout Catholic I believe now, we've got one blind item here. There was like one blind item about Neil deGrasse Tyson being a little bit of a dick. I've heard from some people in the DMs that he's a little bit of a dick. And then we've got another blind item here that says, this science cable host is responsible for a recent UFO sighting. He's trying to sell a new show. How fun is that? I mean, yeah, no, I don't think it's that bad to do, to, to like fake a UFO sighting just so that way like your UFO show could get some buzz. I think it's funny. All right, but now let's get into the shit that is not funny because we are going to be talking about his four different allegations. So just as kind of like a general intro and then a blind item, and then we'll get into the specifics. So trigger warning, if you want to skip ahead to any part, there will be timestamps. But four different women total have come out with sexual misconduct allegations against Neil deGrasse Tyson. And basically what happened is that he was working on these TV shows the TV shows were Cosmos and Star Talk, and they were in limbo for a few months because National Geographic launched an investigation into these allegations of sexual misconduct. So, one of the museums he worked at did an investigation, the National Geographic channel did an investigation, and like somebody else, I think Fox, did an investigation. And then they all said, We did our investigation, and there's no further comment which didn't say that he was innocent. It didn't say that he was guilty. They just said, we did the investigation and we're going to move forward. So it implies innocence, but when we get to the experiences of these victims, to me it doesn't. Here's the blind item about that. It says, apparently the word is out that if you pretend to do an investigation and then don't say anything publicly about what the investigation found, then you too can get your multiple television jobs back. It also works for movies when corporations are more scared of losing money than doing the right thing. All right. So the first victim here is uh, Chia Ahmet, and she went to graduate school together in the 1980s with Neil deGrasse Tyson. So they were both black students in this majority white astronomy apartment at the University of Texas, Austin at the time. And she said that Neil deGrasse Tyson was kind of like a big brother to her. She said to Vox in 2018, We were comrades. There's photos that she's taken of him, like, hanging out in dorm rooms. Like, they were both friends. And like I said, right, they were both black students in this majority white department. And both him and her have been quoted on record basically saying, like, there were only a few of us. So, like, we knew who everybody was. Now, she says she was over at his apartment one afternoon in 1984. He offered her a drink of water in a cup made of a coconut shell. And then she says the next thing she knew, she was naked on his bed. And he was performing oral sex on her. When he saw that she had awoken, he got on top of her and began penetrating her. And then she said she passed out again. So then she said the next time she saw him, it was in the halls of the astronomy department. And she said to him, how did this happen? Why did this happen? He said, because we're in this alone and we're in this together. And then he walked off. She said, quote, I didn't know what he meant. And soon after, she dropped out of school. And she, I mean, this experience completely took her like love of astronomy away from her she completely backed out of doing anything with science it really changed the course of her life and she's been talking about this story for a while she tried to confront him at a public uh, appearance that he did in San Francisco she posted the story on her personal blog in 2014 on Twitter in 2016 on this like religious website in 2017 she did an interview in 2018 about it and she said that it was just like crickets like she didn't hear anything about it from anyone and she said quote it was kind of weird that so few people seem to be paying attention to her account and what's interesting here is that she's a black woman and the other accusers are all white women and once they came forward with their allegations of Neil deGrasse Tyson then her story started to get picked up Now, her ex-husband, BuzzFeed News, did an article about all of this, and he came forward basically saying that when he first met Chia in 1986, she had told him that something bad happened with Neil deGrasse Tyson. It came up a few times throughout their marriage. He never heard her use the word rape, but she described being drugged by him and vaguely alluded to something traumatic. He said, quote, it was actually a sore subject. It bled into our relationship. It caused emotional problems for her. Now, the second woman is a woman named Ashley Watson, and she was basically Neil deGrasse Tyson's assistant. She started off as his driver, and then she ended up becoming his assistant, and she really, really wanted to be a Hollywood producer, and she thought that her gig on his hit TV show Cosmos could maybe help her with that. So when she first got the job, a friend of hers sent her an article from a website saying that Neil deGrasse Tyson had drugged and raped a woman in the 1980s, and that was Shia's story. And... Ashley was like 28 at the time. She saw that blog and she was like, I just, I don't think much of it. Like I'm about to go work for this guy. Everybody's telling me that he's such an amazing person. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it. So she started working on his show, started as the driver, soon was his assistant. They had a very friendly relationship. They spent a lot, a lot of time together. They would be together on all of these different like production shoots And then she said that one night when this like three month Santa Fe shoot was about to end, Neil passed her a handwritten note that said, can we talk later tonight? And she was really hopeful because she was like, ooh, there's going to be a second leg of the shoot in Europe. Maybe he's going to offer me a job with the crew. Like maybe I'll finally get the chance to be a producer here. She says, I thought it was a professional conversation. So then later on that night when she's driving him, she asked what his note was about, and he asked her if she wanted to share a bottle of wine with him inside his apartment to, quote, unwind for a couple hours. And she said that, you know, I have to pick you up before sunrise, but yeah, sure, I'll come in for a glass. And she thought this was when the job offer was going to happen. Now, she said that once they went upstairs, Neil took off his shirt, so he was only wearing a white undershirt. She says, quote, I remember thinking, this is a lot of skin for me to be seen on my boss. He poured her a glass of wine, and he put on some Nina Simone. And he kept repeating the lyric from the song, Do I Make You Quiver, and talking about how much he loved that line. And then he then put together a cheese plate, and he sat down across from her. And started talking about his need for emotional, spiritual, and physical releases. And asking her if she also required these releases. Which is just like, we've read so many creepy things about men. From Harvey Weinstein to Jeffrey Epstein to like all of this stuff. And there is such a through line. Number one is that like usually they're always in bathrobes and asking for a massage. Number two is they use that same language of, I need a release. I need a release. Like biologically, I need to come. You remember how Jeffrey Epstein was like three meals a day and I need three orgasms a day too. It's just weird. And I've heard it before and it makes me feel weird. Anyway, she said that the whole time she was like sitting across the table from him, making sure that there was space, um, that she was getting, as she was getting up to leave, he said that he wanted to show her quote, a native American handshake in which he held her hands and looked into her eyes it was some sort of handshake he wanted to do where like you feel each other's pulse in the hand for like 10 seconds and stare at each other he told her that the handshake represented a quote spirit connection and then she said that neil degrasse tyson put his hands on her shoulders and said that he wanted to hug her but that if he did he would just want more so he did that for about 10 seconds and she says she remembers thinking to herself you're supposed to be this like really smart guy. Why can you not pick up on the fact that I don't want to touch you right now? So then on the car drive the next day, Neil deGrasse Tyson told her that she wasn't going to be able to make it as a producer because she was too distracting. Which, obviously, you can't help but think, if she had gone along with what he wanted to happen that night, would she have been able to make it as a producer? You know? Anyway, so the following day, she reported the incident and her resignation to a line producer, and he suggested that she tell everyone that she was leaving due to a family emergency. So she did. And then the next day, Neil sent her this long, friendly email offering her leftover snacks and wine in his fridge, talking about, like, an episode of Black Mirror she had talked about and saying that he misses her already. And then he said that he had reached out to a manager on set about having her do production work on the show Cosmos, and she was like, in any other situation, I would have taken it, but I knew that it wasn't a genuine offer, so she ended up quitting her job as his assistant, which, you know, obviously... Today's episode is brought to you by Oak Essentials, and I am so excited to tell you about this new skincare brand. They are brought to you by the team behind Jenny Kane. You've heard me talk about their clothing and how much I love them, but Oak Essentials was founded in 2021, and they are known for their simple approach to self-care. They have a lineup of foundational skincare staples, and it's made with very high-quality ingredients that drive results. I personally am loving their Moisture Rich Balm. Now that I live in Denver, where the altitude is, don't ask me the number, but it's very high up here. I'm dry everywhere. Literally everywhere, I've started scratching my skin not to get into it, but at night because it's so dry and this moisture-rich balm is just an absolute huge help, especially here in the winter months when everything gets incredibly, incredibly cold. So it's just this great balm. It makes you feel like you don't have to put makeup on when you wear it, and I love it. So I'm calling it. 2024 is the year of the natural head-to-toe glow, and my followers will get 15% off their first order when they use code FLUENTLY at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, dot com with the promo code FLUENTLY. Go ahead and treat yourself from luxurious skincare to meaningful self-care. You deserve it. Anyway, so then as she was processing what happened over the next few months, she kept thinking back to that original blog post she had read about the woman who was raped, um chia met so she ended up finding her on instagram and she sent her a dm saying hi there i just wanted to reach out to say i believe you about neil degrasse tyson now our third victim here, caitlin Allers, she is a physics and astronomy professor and she went to like a meet and greet this was like in 2009 so neil degrasse tyson was famous but not like as famous as he is now and she was wearing a dress um at the, like, meet and greet, and she basically said she had this, like, tattoo on her shoulder of the solar system, and she said that Neil deGrasse Tyson was, like, touching her and tried to look down her dress so that way he could find where Pluto is at the party. More on that later because we have a photo of the two of them together and a witness of the photographer and what he saw there. And then the fourth victim is Anonymous. But she accused him of sexual misconduct. She said that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson approached her at a holiday party for employees of the American Museum of Natural History in 2010. She was attending that holiday party with her then boyfriend, and he made sexual jokes to her and suggested that she join him alone in his office. Um, And there's... You know, she came forward with this accusation in 2018, but there was proof in 2014 of an email because her employer was like, oh, we might be doing this collaboration with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Do you want to be a part of it? And back in 2014, she emailed and said, no, I had this incident with him in 2010. I don't want to work with him. So to me, that's just like, you cannot say that. I mean, I believe all of these women, and we're going to get into it. Okay. Okay. In 2019, well, it says, some people say 2019, this Facebook post was last edited in 2021. Neil deGrasse Tyson took to Facebook to write a post about what happened to him. And the post is called, On Being Accused. I read this post, and to me personally, it just said, guilty, guilty, fucking guilty. So he goes through all of these different incidents. Number one, The 2009 incident. This is the one, the third victim who took the picture with him at the meet and greet in the dress and said that he looked down her dress. These are some of the quotes from Neil deGrasse Tyson's account on Facebook. Quote, I am asked by thousands of people per year to take pictures with them. A flattering, time-consuming, but delightful chore. As many in my fan base can attest, I get almost giddy if I notice you're wearing cosmic bling clothing or jewelry or tattoos that portray the universe either scientifically or artistically and I make it a priority to point out these adornments for the photograph do you guys get what I'm getting why is he acting like he is a cat and a picture of the universe is catnip and he just goes giddy with fucking joy and he can't help but point out anything that is cosmic bling you know Anyway, it was just like, whatever. And then he says, like, a colleague came up to me after a conference to ask for a photo. She was wearing a sleeveless dress with a tattooed solar system extending up her arm. And while I don't explicitly remember searching for Pluto at the top of her shoulder, it is surely something I would have done in that situation. As we all know, I have professional history with the demotion of Pluto, blah, blah, blah. I was reported to have groped her by searching up her dress when this was simply a search under the covered part of her shoulder of the sleeveless dress. Which like two things there. First of all, if you're going under the covered part of her shoulder of the sleeveless dress, you are going underneath someone's dress. Do you know what I mean? And in the photos that came out, which I'll post them all on Instagram um, this week, he's like holding her arm with both hands and just like gripping it in a weird way. And later on, we'll get to the testimony from the photographer who was a witness. Then he talks about the summer 2018 incident. This was the woman who was his assistant when he invited her up for wine and cheese. So he was like, blah, blah, blah. While filming this past summer, I had a female production assistant and we would talk about a lot of things. We spent like upwards of 100 hours in one-on-one conversation. We would talk about like fun things. We had a fun talkative friendship. Now this send- this paragraph was weird, Okay. She is a talented, warm, and friendly person, excellent traits for morale on a high-pressure production. Practically everyone she knows on set gets a daily welcome hug from her. I expressly rejected each hug offered frequently during the production. But in its place, I offered a handshake, and on a few occasions, clumsily declared, if I hug you, I might just want more. My intent was to express restrained but genuine affection. I'm sorry. What the fuck? That's guilty to me. So first of all, A, him being like, oh, everyone on set gets a daily welcome hug from her. I have been around hundreds of people in my life, and I never take stock of like, oh, they do a daily welcome hug with everyone. That means I'm entitled to one, too. And also, he, he actually goes even further than what she alleges. She alleged, you know, he said at that wine and cheese night, if I hug you, he might just want more. And he said on a few occasions, he clumsily declared, aw oh, shucks, oh oh, gee Wally, I know I'm your boss and I'm about 20 years older than you and I'm in a huge position of power, but oh shucks, gee Wally, I just clumsily declare that if I hug you, I might just want more. It's creepy, dude. It's, it's creepy and insidious. Like, fuck off with that. Oh, I clumsily declared it. Sorry. I am like getting heated right now. Just anyway, whatever. Then he goes in the final week of shooting with just a few days left as a capstone of our friendship, I invited her to wine and cheese at my place upon dropping me off from work. I guess it's fine enough, but the thing is like wine and cheese is a date night activity. It is, isn't it? Anyway, no pressure. I serve wine and cheese often to visitors. Blah, 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 blah. I even alerted her that others from the production were gathering elsewhere that evening so she could just drop me off and head straight there or anywhere else. She freely chose to come by for wine and cheese and I was delighted. Whatever. Weird. It's just giving weird to me. And then he says, afterwards, she came into my office and told me she was creeped out by the wine and cheese evening. She viewed the invite as an attempt to seduce her, even though she sat across the wine and cheese table from me. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, first of all, you put on Nina Simone and you took your shirt off. (laughs) It was an attempt to seduce her. And him remembering, oh, she sat across the wine and cheese table from me all night. He remembers that because he didn't like it. You know what I mean? Like, ugh. Okay, then he talks about the allegation from the early 1980s, which was the rape allegation. And here he's saying, right, like, I blah, blah, blah. It's a grueling thing. The PhD, whatever, whatever, whatever. While in graduate school, I had several girlfriends, whatever, whatever. Over this time, I had a brief relationship with a fellow Astro graduate student from a more recent entering class, which isn't that just the most lovely way to say that she was younger than you? Oh, I had a brief relationship with someone from a more recent entering class. Now I'm getting nitpicky, but okay, when we did an episode... I think, over on Patreon about Wedding Crashers' blind items. And the main thing from that is that, like, Owen Wilson, like, hates wearing a condom and he gets everybody knocked up. He has, I think, like, three three children and, like, relationships with none none of them. But at one point, Owen Wilson knocked up his personal trainer. And there was a People headline that reported on it saying, Owen Wilson is expecting a baby with his soon-to-be-divorced personal trainer. And I was like, oh, you phrased that in the most nice way you possibly could. His soon-to-be-divorced personal trainer? You mean an affair cheating with somebody who's married right now? Soon-to-be-divorced? She was still married. Anyway, just don't ever let yourself be misled by the linguistics. Anyway, he then continues, I remember being intimate only a few times, all at her apartment, but the chemistry wasn't there. So the relationship faded quickly. There was nothing otherwise odd or unusual about this friendship. Now we're going to have a rebuttal to that later on. He then says, I didn't see much of her after that time. Our student offices were on different floors of the building, and we were not in the same classes. A few years later, I ran into her pregnant with who I think was the father by her side. That was when I learned that she had dropped out of graduate school. However, this is not an unusual fact, and I nonetheless wished her well in motherhood and whatever career path would follow. And then... He goes on to try and discredit her, saying long after dropping out of astrophysics graduate school, she was posting videos of colored tuning forks endowed with vibrational therapeutic energy that she channels from the orbiting planets. As a scientist, I found this odd. And she became this woman, um, Chia, that's she ended up changing her name to Chia after she dropped out. And she became very spiritual because she was very traumatized by what happened to her. So. Anyway, um, and then I think after this was when the fourth accusation came out. So I just, you know, read his whole Facebook post if you want. I found it, like, bizarre and a little bit insane, okay? All right. So Chia also denies ever having slept with him outside the time of the alleged rape. She goes, I do not remember at any time being intimate. That is simply not true. And people say, and look, we don't know, know anything, but people say – that when, you know, men are trying to deny things like this, they always try to play it off like, oh, well, like we had a romantic relationship. Like we were dating. And this woman is like, no. Like the rape happened one time. There was no other time that we were like intimate together. Now, there's also the photos. This is the photos of him and the woman with the um, tattoo, one of the other You know, allegations here. So the photographer who snapped the photo said that he saw Neil deGrasse Tyson walk with his fingers along her arm and around the top of her dress. And apparently that incident was like whispered about by colleagues for a few years after it happened because so many people remember that happening at the meet and greet. Now, there is a woman, she is a scientist, uh, Chanda Prescod Weinstein, and she wrote in Scientific American her thoughts, and you know, she's a black woman in the science academia field, she wrote her thoughts about Neil deGrasse Tyson, it was very interesting, I want to point out some of the things here. This one, ooh, this one really shook me. Here's what she said about Neil deGrasse Tyson's um, Facebook response to the allegations. He said, a few years later, dot, 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 I learned that she dropped out of the program. This is when he's talking about um, Chia. And Shonda says... I saw what I believed to be a lie immediately. When I discussed it with my daily black scientist chat group, they agreed. Would he really have us believe that in the 1980s, in a field where there are almost no black people, he hadn't noticed right away that the only other black graduate student had dropped out of the program? It was incredible. The truth is that black academics usually know what's up with black people in departments across campus, even when they hate each other. It's also the case that black academics are often loath to air our dislike. each other in front of white people. We know that the bar for being seen as good is higher for us than others. We tend to be forgiving of people who may not be our favorites. And then I also just want to shout out what she said here at the end of this article, which you should go check it out. It was really good. She said, while some will be celebrating the inevitable damage these accusations do to Tyson's public image, I cannot. I will instead worry about what will happen to the Google search results for black scientists. I will instead be reminded that the United States is a place where there are a multitude of visible white men science superstars, but only one black person could get his foot through that door. I wonder how different things might go in a society where taking responsibility was encouraged by a foundational investment And restorative justice. And then she ends by saying, I will also feel angry at Neil. It's true that some details of these allegations have yet to be corroborated, and both Fox News and National Geographic have launched investigations. But in my view, I believe that the claims are credible, which means he directly harmed multiple women, most egregiously, by allegedly raping a member of his own already marginalized community. Chia Ahmet is a black woman who will never join me on the list of African-American with PhDs in physics. She deserved better. Our whole community did. So that is the story about Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, dude, I, like I just remember kind of hearing whispers of a scandal years ago, but I never really dived into it. And I do find it creepy how the investigation happened, but then they didn't say what they found, the findings of the investigation. They just kind of skated around that part and then they went, okay, so he'll be back on. Do you know what I mean? And also one of the women here, I think it might have been Chia, said that she spoke with like all of these different outlets, all of these different outlets. And then by the time um, the museum reached out to her for the investigation, she was just so emotionally spent and exhausted that she was like, I'm sorry, like I cannot speak to you about this. Um, So to me, it doesn't feel like the investigation was incredibly thorough. Today's episode is brought to you by Cerebral. If you are looking to improve your mental health in the new year, Cerebral is here to help you do it. With professional therapy and medication management support, it is all 100% online. I am really excited mental health-wise in 2024 to dive into the idea of just like managing the mental health of being a creator. I have talked to some creators who have been doing this for five years and they're like, you know what? There is no one solution to like how to deal with this. So I'm excited to learn mantras and just tools and guidelines so that way I can get out of these cognitive distortions, like that way I won't see a one star review and it cripples me for the rest of the week. That's not normal. Like I need to be able to manage this and I'm excited to learn about different tools to kind of help me feel more uplifted and manage depression and anxiety. So if you want to get started on your path towards better mental health, Cerebral is giving our listeners 15% off of their first month of online therapy, medication, or both. You can get started at Cerebral.com podcast and use code fluently. That's Cerebral, dot com slash podcast, and use code fluently to get 15% off your first month. Make 2024 your best year yet. Offer is only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. See site for details. All right, well, we are going to wrap things up here with Bill Nye, the science guy, and unlike Neil and unlike Steven, I couldn't really find anything nasty about him, so thank God we can end this episode on a little bit of a light note. Bill Nye. Bill by the science guy. Bill by the science guy. Bill by the science guy. Science rules. Bill by the science guy. Inertia is a property of matter. So his real name is William Sanford Nye. He was born in 1955. He's an American mechanical engineer, a science communicator, and a TV presenter. And we all know him from the TV show Bill Nye, the science guy. So he was born in D.C. and he actually started his career as a mechanical engineer for Boeing in Seattle. He invented this like hydraulic resonance suppressor tube. Don't ask me any follow-up questions. But he invented that thing, and it was used on 747 airplanes. And he was actually a little bit of a comedian. So in 1986, he actually left his job at Boeing to try and pursue comedy, and he would write and perform for this local sketch TV show called Almost Live. And he would do these, like, wacky scientific experiments on the show. He actually got into doing stand-up comedy after he won this Steve Martin look-alike contest in 1978 which is funny because I don't think Bill Nye looks anything like Steve Martin, but I don't know, whatever. Apparently, he was really good at doing, like, Steve Martin impressions at parties, and that was where, like, his love of comedy began. Now, he also had a run-in with Carl Sagan at Cornell. This guy got around, man. He knew everybody. But at his 10-year college reunion, he went to, like, this great length to try and talk with Carl, and the assistant was like, okay, you can talk to him for five minutes, and Bill... I'm just going to call him Bill Nye. (laughs) And Bill Nye was like, look, I have this idea. I want to do a science television program. I want to talk about bridges and bicycles, stuff that I as an engineer was interested in. And Carl gave him advice. He said, quote, focus on pure science. Kids resonate to pure science rather than technology. So that was his like advice on kind of moving the Bill Nye show in a certain direction. So he lives in the Studio City neighborhood of LA and then he's also got a house in Seattle in Mercer Island and his house in California is solar powered and there's so many solar powers on his house that he will sometimes feed extra power back to the public power grid, which is something that he likes doing. Now, dude, a little bit of weird drama I was not expecting in his relationship. He married a musician named Blair Tyndall in February 2006, but he annulled the relationship 7 weeks later. And in 2007, he got a restraining order against her after she broke into his house and stole several items including his laptop computer, which she then used that laptop to send these um like defamatory emails impersonating Bill Nye, and then she also damaged his garden with herbicide. <laughs> so then they were like going back and forth in court about this and she acknowledged that she killed the plants but she denied being a threat to Bill Nye so he ended up suing her for fifty seven thousand dollars in attorney fees after she violated a protective order so goddamn a lot of a lot of volatility in that relationship I was just like I don't know struck by that Now, in a documentary about Bill Nye, uh, he revealed that his family struggles with ataxia, I believe you pronounce it, and it's this like a neurological sign that basically gives different like muscle movement abnormality, and he said that even though he, quote, dodged the genetic bullet himself for this, he is choosing not to have children because he doesn't want to pass on the condition. And then a few years back in 2022, he married a journalist named Liza Mundy. There was only one blind item about about Bill Nye and it was basically that, um, you know Kate Gosselin and her husband John? Apparently John was supposed to be on the cast of Dancing with the Stars, but Kate sabotaged him so that way he couldn't get on. And then they brought in Bill Nye the Science Guy as a substitute contestant. And now i have to look it up, like was he good? Oh my God! I'm watching a video and there's like all of these like beakers on stage. Oh my God! He's dancing in a lab coat. So I guess they like... Oh no! She just ripped it off him. Whoa! My oh my God! I oh my God! Oh my God! Sorry. This is like a live react. I I don't like the dancing. I mean, he 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 seems nice and everything. The dancing is not doing it for me. Wow! That. <laughs> You know who was incredible on Dancing with the Stars? Remember when Zendaya was back on Dancing with the Stars? I mean, this was like years ago, but I, oh my God, I loved watching that. Anyway, so that is the tea on (laughs) Bill Nye, the science guy. So there we have it. I mean, I think over on Patreon, we did an episode about creepy magicians because David Blaine and David Copperfield also had relationships with Jeffrey Epstein, but I've just been thinking like, I don't know, like you you read enough pop culture and you're like, okay, famous people cheat on each other. You know, athletes cheat on their wives. Everybody cheats on each other. And then you're just like, even the scientists are going to strip clubs and Epstein Island and have allegations against them. Even the fucking magicians. I mean, not Bill Nye, but like the other two. I don't know. It's just I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't it make you sad? whatever let me end things on a lighter note what, what's there to talk about that's nice uh well hey come on check us over on patreon we've done some fun episodes recently we did a very fun episode uh all about the miami aliens because you know we love to cover that conspiracy stuff and also celebrity finstas okay and this was incredibly fun like i'm just i'm a creep right like i want to know who has a celebrity finsta and did you know that Kristen Stewart from Twilight and everything else has a Finsta and like everybody follows her on it and everybody thinks that like she's fantastic on social media. And then there was one, somebody commented over on Patreon. Let me try to find it. It was like Cringe Master 3000. People think that it's Taylor Swift because Jack Antonoff follows uh, the account. And this person here said Petra Collins, who is an artist and director, follows the Cringe Master account to But to uh, my knowledge, I don't think that her and Taylor are friends. She doesn't follow Taylor's regular account. Also, she works with Olivia Rodrigo a lot. So I don't think that if Taylor and Olivia had a problem, Taylor would allow Petra to be one of her 19 followers on that account. That account is definitely someone important, but I don't think that it's Taylor. I need to know who the other 17 followers are besides Petra Collins and Jack Antonoff. So go check out that episode because like... My new goal for 2024, I want to get in the inner circle of these celebrity finstas. And I made a finsta of my own. So they could see pictures of me as long as I could see pictures of them. I think that's a fair deal, you know. Kristen Stewart compared to Fluently Forward. Anyway, so go check that out if you want some more episodes uh, over there, new episodes every Friday, and then sometimes more throughout the week based on what's happening in pop culture. So thank you for hanging out with me, and I will see you guys next week for another episode of Fluently Forward. Bye guys. Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs>